Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, July 9th. Championship weekend has arrived at the 2021 Wimbledon. It's not every Grand Slam you get to say that the two best players in the draw ultimately ended up in the finals, but if we're being honest, I think that's the case here. At this 2021 Wimbledon, you look on the women's side tomorrow. Ashley Barty, your number one seed in the event. Everyone thought she would be a contender. If healthy, the question was, how healthy was she entering this fortnight? She's answered that question. She is 100% fit, ready to go. She looked exceptional in her semifinal victory over Kerber. She's going to need her to bring her A game, though, tomorrow if she wants to knock off Karolina Pliskova, the number eight seed, a three-set winner over Arena Sabalenka, was broken serve once in the match, only faced one break point in the match as well. She is still looking for that elusive first Grand Slam title. Given she's 29 years old, given the plethora of rising next-gen WTA talents right now in the game, this is the window. This is Karolina Pliskova's moment. She is certainly aware of this opportunity. Makes for a fantastic dynamic. Certainly, I want to preview that match a little bit at the end. Of course, if you want to hear an extensive preview, hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. That match, the subject of our Ace of the Day selections show. So, of course, you can hear all the depth, all the stats, all the match breakdowns on that podcast. Of course, here on this show today, we have to talk gentlemen singles semifinals because we had two very different matches, but two very exciting ones on our hands. Now, it's not often that you say Novak Djokovic is outplayed in a match, but again, with the theme being, if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of the times... Denis Shapovalov, the next-gen Canadian in his first major semifinal, did indeed outplay the number one seed. Was it the best version of Novak Djokovic? No one is claiming that it was, but Shapovalov brought the goods today. Of course, ultimately, despite that fact, it's Novak Djokovic who ends up in the winner's circle, 7-6-7-5-7-5. He will be competing, I believe, for the shot at, what is it, a sixth, a seventh Wimbledon title? I'll get that exact answer for you all a little bit later. You look on the flip side, Matteo Berrettini into his first Grand Slam singles final. He's been a guy who's knocked on the door of the ranks of the elites for much of the past two and a half seasons. 2019, he gets into the year-end finals. There was a lot of hoopla. He's got one of the lowest point totals to ever qualify for that eighth spot in ATP history. And, you know, at the time, he was 23 years old. Was he really deserving to be in the category of the elites of the elite? And you know what he has to say to that? Fourth round at every major this season into multiple quarterfinals. Now reaches his first final here at the 2021 Wimbledon. You look for him now in his career. 27-6 and six overall on grass courts. He, John Isner, Milos Raonic, you've heard me say it all week, the only servers on tour who are holding over 90% of the time. That fact manifested itself very, very much in this semifinal match against Hubie Hercats. His Berrettini isn't broken. And just time after time, whenever he faced pressure in his service games, able to come up with the goods, able to come up with some attacking tennis to advance in four sets. Again, I'll break those matches down in even further depth here on today's show. Talk about the women's final, have some other fun as well. But of course, before we do that, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to have all of this fun here on the Mini Break Podcast day in, day out is because of the support 
support we get from all of you who have tuned into all of our episodes throughout the fortnight, and we sincerely appreciate that fact. There's a, you know, the reason we do this is because we think you listeners deserve instant reactions. You deserve to know what's happening, particularly in those early rounds when there's 50 plus matches going on each day, and it's hard to keep track of everything. Certainly, we here at CR headquarters can't even watch all every, you know, second of all 50 matches, but we appreciate all of your continued support. We appreciate the support of our Patreon family who are with us through thick and thin, and of course, we appreciate the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. If any of you are inspired by this Wimbledon play, and so often, right, you spend two weeks watching tennis, you're right, you're like, all right, I've seen the best of the best. I think I can try this. I think I can pull off this tactic. I can't do that, but I'm certainly going to give it a go anyways. All of those fun things are accentuated when you have the right equipment on, the right equipment in your hands. That's where our friends at Tennis Point come in. You can find the best equipment at the best prices by going to their website, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. It's tennis-point.com, the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. We're so grateful for their continued support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's talk some gentlemen singles semifinals. And let's start with Djokovic Shapovalov because let's be honest. We haven't talked much Novak Djokovic here on this mini break podcast over the past two weeks, despite the fact that he has ended up in the finals of his third Grand Slam of the season. The fact that he is now not just in a position to do it, but the prohibitive favorite to win all four Grand Slams in a calendar season. I know, you know, it's been discussed, but I don't think we've collectively freaked out that a 34-year-old man is about to win four Grand Slams in a single season. That not only is it in play, but he is favored to do as much. That speaks to the the craziness and just that this is why he's the greatest. This is just why he's on a different planet. We all are living on Earth. He's living in Djokovic world. Djokovician. I was trying to think of a good title on the fly. Hey, great shot. That was not my best attempt. The point being, even on a day when Denis Shapovalov brought his best tennis, even on a day when Novak Djokovic did not bring his best tennis, it's Djokovic who emerges with a straight set victory, 7-6, 7-5, 7-5. And when talking about this match, it's really difficult to not talk about all of the things Denis Shapovalov did well. From a numbers perspective, from an eye test perspective, from a tactics perspective, you name it, Shapovalov pulled it off today. In particular, he came out swinging. He came out aggressive. And whenever you, you know, you never need to tell Denis Shapovalov, hey, play big today. Go for your shots. Be the aggressor. Play on your terms. If you miss, oh well. At least you're playing. Again, you're going down swinging. That was his mentality from the start. And, this, you know, he earned some early pressure in Djokovic's first service game, isn't able to get over the hump there. But then he breaks Djokovic in Djokovic's second service game. Meanwhile, I believe through the first two and a half sets, or through the first set and a half, Shapovalov lost something like five points on his first serve. He was just serve after serve, firing the serve and volley, hitting swinging volleys out of the air, taking time away from Djokovic, going down the line off of both wings, exploding through the ball, taking big cuts at the second serve. He was playing, moving forward again, he was playing aggressive. He was doing the things you need to do when you're playing and trying to upset Novak Djokovic in a Grand Slam semifinal. And 
you know, for Djokovic, he was a little off at the start of this match. And you look for him, you know, he loses the first set of the tournament to Jack Draper, then wins the next three. I would argue since that point, he's really only played probably 25 minutes of serious tennis. I think that third set against Dennis Kudla, a set Djokovic won 7-6, that was serious Novak Djokovic. That was him locked in saying, I don't want to play another four-set match. I want to get off the court here. And Dennis Kudla just matching his level and saying, well, I'm going to make it a little tough for you, Novak, because I really like playing at Wimbledon. And you could see the respect Djokovic had at the end of the match when he shook Kudla's hand, being like, damn, you really pushed me there. And I was trying not to get pushed before the semifinals. And so, again, then he gets green, 2-4-2. and He was up five love in the first set on Fucevic. It just felt like instantly he had control of that match. And yes, it was three, four, and four, but did Djokovic, was he ever really sweating in that one? I would argue no. In this match, he sweat. In this match, you look for it. Denis Shapovalov had his moment. He had his opportunity. And of course, the big takeaway, the big moment we'll all be thinking about, 5-4, 30-all. Shapovalov is serving for the first set. He gets Djokovic stretched wide on the deuce side, has the entire ad side of the court to make an approach shot. When I say the entire ad side, you're driving on the highway at 3 a.m. You have the entire five lanes to drive on. Shapovalov had the entire ad side of the court open to him, and he missed the ball long. And that's first Grand Slam semifinal pressure manifested in a single moment. And it was a devastating moment because even though he gets that match back to end, the, the game back to deuce, Djokovic ultimately able to land enough returns deep into the court, able to ultimately break, get it back to five all. Shepovalov then had his one blink of the turn uh, of the match. It was that first set tiebreaker. He didn't play well. And it was a credit to him, by the way, to rebound to hold 4-6 all, but he played a very bad tiebreaker. Just sloppy first ball errors, a couple double faults mixed in. It was just not a good it was not a good tiebreaker from him. And you could tell there was some wear over from the wear down from the fact that, you know, again, he makes that forehand 40-30 with the way he was serving with Djokovic's body language. Djokovic had mentally and physically accepted, okay, I might lose this first set. He wasn't going anywhere. But he was like, you have played well enough, Dennis, and he expressed as much after the match did Djokovic in the press conference. You have played well enough to earn this first set, but Shepovalov misses the forehand. Ultimately, you just cannot give Novak Djokovic, even if it's only 77% the best version of Novak Djokovic, a free point. Because if you do, he's bound to capitalize, and we say it all the time. His flexibility, it's a joke. This guy invented, and McEnroe was talking about it a bit on the broadcast, he invented sliding on a grass court. Novak Djokovic slides into his shots on grass, and he does it comfortably balanced without his ankles falling off from under him. It's just, it's ridiculous. His ability also to move the ball down the line, cross court, and a grass court in particular, his ability to just hit the ball where you're not, whether that's behind you when your momentum's going one way, whether that's to open space after he's ripped you off the court, cross court, his ability to mix in the drop shot. He's obviously getting better as a volleyer, and again, his two passing shot combos, the best in men's tennis history. Uh, The guy's a physical freak, and he put enough balls in play, in particular made enough returns in the two breaks he's able to get at the end of the at the end of sets two and three. Again, this was a 7-6, 7-5, 7-5 affair. You look for Novak Djokovic in this tournament. He's winning 85% of his first serve points. Now, he only won 81% in this match, but only 81%. Are you kidding me? When Novak Djokovic is winning 85% of his first serve points, how do you beat him? Like, how? Seriously. 
at Great Shot Pod. If you have the recipe, please tell me because you look at his numbers this year. According to Tennis Abstract, he's breaking serve 36% of the time. The only season in his career that number trails is his 2011 historic breakthrough. I'm Novak freaking Djokovic. I'm here to play season. Outside of that version, who won what? His first like 38 matches of the year. This Novak Djokovic, by the metrics, and again, level of competition is different. I'm not saying 2021 Djokovic beats 2011 Djokovic, but the fact that we are even entertaining that conversation a decade later speaks to this man's excellence. But by the metrics, he's breaking serve as well as he did then, and he's holding the serve 85% of the time at this Wimbledon. You just don't beat that Novak Djokovic. And, you know, again, his ability in the biggest moments, the biggest pressure stages to just make that extra ball, to make you uncomfortable, to go big down the line, go big cross court, do a little bit of everything. That's what makes him the most special player in the game right now. That's what makes him a historically you know, historic brilliance. That's what makes him in the conversation, if not at the top of the conversation. And you all already know my opinion as the greatest men's tennis player of the open era. But you look for him, make 61% of his first serve points, wins 81% uh, of his first serve points, win, uh, wins 57% of his second serve, 85% at the net, 28 to 33. That's ridiculous. Three of 10 on break points, 33 winners against 15 unforced errors. Now, again, so much credit to Denis Shapoval. 40 winners against 36 unforced errors. Your unforced error count has to be that high when you're playing Novak Djokovic because you can't play on his terms. You can't lollygag unless your name's Daniil Medvedev, who might be the one person in the game right now who, I'm not going to say is able to match Novak Djokovic's physicality, but on a hard court over the course of five sets, you know, not at the Australian Open, but if they're both playing their best, Medvedev trying to make the match physical against a 34-year-old Djokovic, you can at least sort of understand that strategy because he's got the big first serve to go along with it. But the point is, unless you're that Medvedev, that was a long tangent, you got to go for your swings. You got to go for your shots. You got to play on your terms. And if you miss, so be it. But it's better to miss and play on your terms than to get Novak Djokovic out on the court. And that's what Shepovalov did. He played on his terms. 40 winners against 36 unforced errors. 30 of 39 at the net. He incorporated the serve and volley. Was brilliant at it. Made 67% of his first serves. That's the number he had to hit. 179% of his first serve points. That's another number again he had to hit created 11 breakpoint chances for himself was only able to convert one but did create 11 for himself bunch of love 40 leads he saw evaporate in both sets one and two and you know again the big number was 15 of 36 on second serve points and that's where Novak Djokovic gets you but this was a brilliant performance from Denis Shapovalov, and you look for him now over his last 52 weeks, 35 and 22. He's now made a Grand Slam quarterfinal at two of his last four slams, first semifinal here at Wimbledon. And now we enter the summer hard courts, which can always be the best portion of Denis Shapovalov's year. He's in a danger, you know, he's dangerous right now. Certainly, you look for him in the live ranking. Shapovalov solidifying his spot at number 10. New career high for him in the live rankings, which I suppose ties his previous career high. His ceiling is that. His ceiling is absolutely top 10 player. The key is racing that floor because week in, week out, we've seen the losing streaks. We've seen the errors pile up. We've seen what happens when he loses some confidence in himself, but you know, again, is he quite the tier of the Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini? No, not quite. Is he, you know, half a tier below them? That's probably, you know, him, Korda. Uh, they all hang out in that group where it's like, what exact, Andre Rublev, what do we make of your power? It's certainly impressive, but 
you know, again, with him, it's not just the power, it's the first step, his movement, his creativity, his aggressiveness, his feel for the moment. He embraced that crowd so, so well. Again, it was fantastic to watch, and he pushed Djokovic. I know it was a straight set match, but 6-5-5, five, and five, Dennis outplayed Novak Djokovic for the majority of that match, just not on the biggest points, and tennis is a match of two to three points per match, and ultimately Djokovic was able to capture the biggest ones. He advances to another Grand Slam final, does Novak Djokovic. You look for him here again, 7-6, 7-5, 7-5, and by the way, I do have that answer for all of you. I brought it up earlier for Novak Djokovic. You look now in his career at Wimbledon, 78-10. and 10 at the event. It's just a joke. And you look for him now into his seventh final. So I was correct. Seventh final. He's five and one at the at the event. Does everyone know the one final he lost? I'll give you a hint. Mandy Uri. Um yeah, two thousand thirteen, Andy Murray. That's the one final he's lost. He's beaten Federer three times. He's beaten Nadal. He's beaten Kevin Anderson. He has a chance to win six Grand Slams at multiple events. He's got a chance to win number 20 here on Sunday. But he's going to have to play better than he did today because as aggressive as Shapovalov was, as great as Shapovalov was on his front foot, you know who's playing elite attacking tennis right now? Matteo Berrettini who ultimately advances over Hubi Hercots in a four-set win. You look for Berrettini. He gets a 6-3, 6-love. Yes, you heard that correctly. 6-3, 6-love, 6-7, 6-4 win over the 24-year-old from Poland. You look for Matteo Berrettini in this match. What stands out? Well, you look right away. How many times did, was Matteo Berrettini broken in this match? I'll give you two seconds to guess. It's a, it's a pretty easy guess. That answer is zero. He was broken zero times in this match. 56 of 65 on first serve points. He goes 79 of 93 on service points overall. Again, 79 of 93. He lost 14 points on serve. I did not do that math right. 79 of 103. So he lost 24 points on serve over the course of four sets. He's losing six points on serve per set. If you're doing that, let's just lock it in. You're winning the match. And for for Matteo Berrettini, 60 winners against 18 unforced errors. You want to take the 22 aces against one double fault he hit out of the equation? Fine. He hit 30. uh, Yep, that math is correct. Now I'm doubting myself. 38 winners against 17 unforced errors. He's plus 21. And that doesn't even include the serve. But that serve sets up everything. And you look at the first set where the tone of this match was set. Berrettini had an early love 40 lead. I believe it was the one all service game of Hoopy Hercots, a couple of big first serves, good approach shots, good putaways at the net. Hercots is able to hold for 2 1. 2 3, Matteo Berrettini faces some trouble on serve himself, faces a couple of break points. Hercots able to get the return deep into the Berrettini backhand. Berrettini throws in that one double fault of the match in that game as well. But a couple of big serves, a couple of big forehands, some gumption at the net. Berrettini gets out of that 4-3 all, and then he immediately breaks Hercot's back 4-4-3 with just good returning, particularly on that backhand wing. He was swinging through it more, but his ability to hit the block return, just get the point back to neutral, not give uh, Hubi Hercot's an an obvious first forehand to hit in that first set— it bought him time. And then physically, he was able to grind a little bit with Hoopy Hercots. I wish we had the stats, you know, zero to four shot, five plus shot rallies, but 
Berrettini must have played Hurkacz even. And I mean, that backhand slice, the depth he's able to get off of that wing, even when he's on the run, it's not super attackable for Hoopy Hurkacz. He missed that, you know, and then Berrettini mixes in and he'll go, you know, he'll swing through that backhand when he's on the run, leaving the cross-court forehand open for Hurkacz, but he's so used to having to adjust his contact point, adjust how he's swinging to, uh, uh, to uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, to adjust to the slice that Berrettini's hitting, uh, that when Berrettini hits through the ball, it, it draws an error. Hurkacz misses that ball either wide, trying to yank it with too much error, or into the net, not, you know, reflexively bending his knees the way he would with the slice, and it just kept Hubie off of rhythm, and then, of course, if you give him a forehand, he's going to attack it. You look for Matteo Bertin. I already mentioned the 60 winners he hit against 18 unforced errors, but an efficient 16 of 25 at the net as well, 6 of 10 on his breakpoint chances. Of course, that's lopsided by the 6th love uh, second set, but you know, only faced two break points in the match, and it all starts with that serve. And I've mentioned this stat on every podcast, every time we talk about Matteo Berrettini. Three servers right now in the ATP Tour hold at a 90% rate. Isner, Rayanich, Berrettini. It's a very good list to find yourself on. Matteo Berrettini is on it. You look for him now. You know, he's been tested these past two matches. Two guys who have weapons to keep him on the move, to put his backhand under a little bit of pressure from pace from players who are trying to get to the net. And he's responded on both of those occasions. And then, of course, his serve is going to keep him in every match that he plays. You look for, you know, Hubi in this match. Obviously, the first serve a little bit disappointing for him in this match. You look at the stats for him overall. Only made 57%. That number had to be a little bit higher in order to keep pace with Berrettini for the course of a three out of five set match. Now, you know, he wins 68% of his first serve points. That's the lowest number for him in the tournament. 50% of his second serve points is pretty good. 28 of 43 at the net, pretty good. 27 winners against 26 unforced errors. That's where, again, Berrettini was on his front foot too frequently. It just felt like for Hercots, it was a little bit more difficult for him to be aggressive with that return of serve because of A, how well Berrettini mixes up locations, but B, of course, how heavy Berrettini hits that serve. And, you know, again, when Hercots was stretched, he would hit the slices. Berrettini, a quick enough first set, a powerful enough game that he's either hitting that ball as a volley or he's getting to the net, taking that ball out of the air, taking time away from you. Again, a credit to Matteo Berrettini, who executed so well in this match, who just was a little bit better at playing attacking tennis and closing things out at the net. And when a slice was hung in the middle of the court, putting that slice away, putting that additional pressure on your opponent, he was a little bit better than that at that than Hubi was in this one. And ultimately, that's why he's able to end up in the winner's circle. Now, again, for Hubi Hercots, Six-match losing streak coming into this Wimbledon. He ends up making his first semifinal. The summer hard courts, as we learned in Miami, are always going to be a place where he can be dangerous as well. And he enters the summer hard courts with a thing that's most impressive when you're at the top of men's tennis because everyone can hit forehands well. Everyone can hit backhands and serves well. Everyone can move well. But how confident are you in all of your shots when the pressure rises? Hubie Hercots right now extraordinarily confident in his game. But you look for Matteo Berrettini, and I've made this case all week long on multiple podcasts, 40 and 11 now in his last 52. That's a 78% win percentage. In the 12 events he's played, he's made seven total quarterfinals, three total finals, won two total titles. Those are the numbers you put up when you're entering the top 10. 
when you're amongst the elite of the elite, when you're hovering around the top five of the game, when you're sniffing around semifinals, finals of Grand Slams, competing for titles, those are the sorts of numbers you put up. So, you know, oftentimes, and I, I can be accused of this as well, I put Berrettini in a tier below Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, even a tier sometimes below Andre Rublev. He belongs in that conversation right alongside of them. He has proven their equal when, once, if ever, Novak Djokovic loses a step and is gone from the top of the game. He will be in the mix right there with the Medvedev zero of CT passes in the world. And then again, just with how easy his game is, that serve, that forehand, the power, the aggressiveness he plays, matches are on his terms. Regardless of the surface, he's won over 60% of his matches on every surface he's played. Uh, you look for him overall across surfaces. I mentioned the fact he's 27-6. and six. That's an 82% win percentage on grass courts, but he's 66% on clay, 62% on hard courts, 66% overall. Again, all of the advanced metrics right now at or above his uh, career averages uh, or career highs, excuse me, and then you look for him at the slams of late again, round of 16, 2020 U.S. Open, round of 16, 2021 Australia, quarterfinals Roland Garros, finals here at Wimbledon. It just works for Matteo Berrettini. Again, his aggressiveness, that explosiveness, his willingness to move forward, his willingness to embrace the crowd who really seem to love. Again, he's a guy who when he gets a good shot, that big serve in a big moment, there's going to be a big come on. When he gets the break of serve, he lets the crowd, he lets his box, he lets his opponent know it. There's an energy he plays with that's contagious and you know, you look for Matteo Berrettini now with this result. Still sits, it's crazy that he's still at number eight in the ATP rankings. And if he wins the title, he'll only jump one spot over Andre Rublev to number seven in the rankings. But, you know, again, the top eight right now, Djokovic, Medvedev, Nadal, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Team, Rublev, Berrettini. Nine is Federer, 10 is Shapovalov, 11 Hercot, Schwartzman, Carreno Busta, RBA, FAA rounds out your top 15. You then go Demonauer, Garin, uh, Rude, Monfils, Goffin, top 20. The only guy missing from there is probably a Yannick Sinner, who belongs in that top 20 mix right now. A couple other guys on the fringes as well, but like in terms of a top 10, that's pretty accurate. I'd probably put Berrettini above Rublev, above team right now, in that number six spot right there. And then, you know, healthy team Rublev certainly in the mix. But Berrettini's top eight guy. He's going to be competing at four year-end finals, four ATP Tour championships, four Grand Slam titles throughout the duration of his prime. And again, just turned 25 earlier this year. We've got at least, barring injury, five good seasons from Matteo Berrettini. And that power tennis is just so easy for him. I think he's only going to get better from here. I think he's minimized the weakness, which is the backhand return. He continues to maximize his strengths. And that strength is an elite strength. He's into the final now. Where, look... I've said it all tournament long. I thought the person who tested Novak Djokovic toughest at the 2021 French Open wasn't C.T. Pass, who was up two sets to love, wasn't even Nadal, despite how ridiculous that level was. I thought it was Berrettini, who, as well as Djokovic was playing, it didn't matter because you can play the best match of your life, but if the other guy's hitting a 135 ace down the tee, if you can't get your racket on the ball, you can't play that best tennis of your life. And Berrettini does have that quality where, regardless of what Djokovic is doing, if he's serving his best... At least he's in the match. At least he's keeping pace, holding serve, doing the things he can do. And again, Djokovic has the broader skill set. Djokovic is the prohibitive favorite. You know who is the best at neutralizing big serves in the history of men's tennis? Novak freaking Djokovic. But Berrettini's got the weapons. 
He's got the explosiveness, and he does just—he's got the flair to him. I don't think he's going to be afraid of the moment. I don't think the stage is going to be too much for him. So, I think that match is going to be really, really fun. You look right now, Djokovic minus five fifty over Berrettini. He should be a favorite. There's no denying that. But minus five fifty feels a little bit high. I'm hoping Barty gets the job done from an ace perspective, so that we can play around with some hedging. But, man, I'm telling you what. Berrettini is playing his best tennis. He deserves to have reached a major final. He's been that good since the start of 2019 into the final of Wimbledon for set win over Hoopy Hercuts. But, you know, speaking of being outstanding over these past few years, if you haven't already, you are missing out on a revolution that's going on in the men's below-the-waist grooming industry. Of course, I am talking about our friends at Manscaped, who are the best in the business and offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, there are over 2 million men worldwide who already trust their below-the-waist grooming needs to our friends at Manscaped, who just launched a fourth-generation trimmer, folks, the Lawnmower 4.0. It works fantastic. Fantastically. And look, you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com. Did you know the Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4? Now, if you have to use a size 4 when you're doing your below-the-waist grooming, I'm pretty sure that's an issue. And we should probably have a separate conversation post-podcast about that at DM at great shot pod but i suppose for those out there who let the quarantine get the best of them the lawnmower 4.0 you can customize your trim do all the things you need to do to make grooming time your favorite time in the bathroom again 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code manscape uh new balls please at manscape.com that's new balls please at manscape.com with that in mind uh let's quickly talk about this women's match, we had this women's match, this ladies singles pre, uh, final we have tomorrow, an exceptional final. I apologize why I scrambled through that sentence. I'm trying to type the note for West Stuff. Here's where the Manscaped ad is in the podcast. Anyways, you look for our women's final preview. The reason why I don't want to discuss it too much here, I don't want to have to repeat myself. Some of you will hear this, then you're going to hop over to listen to the GSP Ace of the Day, and you're going to be like, wait, didn't I just hear that on the mini break podcast? And the answer to that question would be yes, because I previewed that match extensively when making the picks, but I'll just make the case for why I'm picking Ashley Barty in this match. You look at the numbers by every metric, Ashley Barty has been the number one player in the world since the two, uh, since the start of this 2021 season. Overall ELO rating, her, tw- uh, what is it, I believe she was 27-4 and four coming into this event. That's good for first. She's ahead of Krejcikova, Sviantek, Sabalenka, Muguruza. You look overall, Elo, it's Barty who's first above Osaka, Halep, Sabalenka, Sviantek, Muguruza. You look for Ashley Barty. She's third right now in hold percentage amongst WTA Tour players uh, behind just Brady and Osaka. And you know that backhand return, right? That's the, I don't want to say glaring weakness because it's really not that big of a weakness. But if you're going to attack Ashley Barty, it's probably with pace to that backhand side. Well, she's up to 26th amongst top 50 players as a returner. She's one of 10 players to be top 26 in both hold and break percentage. It's pretty elite. 
It's pretty damn elite when she's a top 10 player by the metrics. And then obviously as a server, she's a top two server that serve that forehand, her ability to follow it to the net, the pressure she puts on you, her ability to play aggressive tennis, turn defense into offense in the outer thirds of the court, her comfort level moving forward, playing overhead serves volleys. She can hit all of the spots. She's going to put a ton of returns in play. She'll take what you do best and take it away from you. I I just only have compliments for Ashley Barty, who you look over the last fifty two weeks, thirty four and six overall. You look for her fifteen and five against the top fifty. That's impressive. You know what's more impressive? Eleven and one against top twenty opponents, six and one against top ten opponents that lost a three set loss, six four in the third indoors to Arena Sabalenka on clay. The only thing that slowed Barty down this year was an injury. She was the favorite entering the French Open, if healthy, and you look for her now on these grass courts if healthy, she was one of the favorites entering the event. Odds makers thought so. Tennis Abstract's formula thought so. She's 53-15 and 15 now in her career on grass courts. You look uh, for her. She has now made a total, I believe, of six finals on the surface. She won titles in Birmingham and in Nottingham. Birmingham was 2019, Nottingham 2018. She also won a 50K, 25K on the surface. Second Grand Slam final for her of her career. You look for her at the slams since uh, she made a breakthrough on 2018 round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Outside of the injury she had at the French Open, which caused a second-round loss, she's made fourth round at every event. She's gone quarterfinals, title, fourth round, fourth round, semifinals, quarterfinals, final. She's won 85% of her matches, two titles, three finals. I think it's like six quarterfinals and seven events. I say it on the Great Shot Podcast, so I apologize for repeating myself here, but in the history of the WTA Tour, the history of the ATP Tour, the players who matter to that history, the players who end up as multiple-time Grand Slam champions, who rip off, you know, three- to five-year stretches as a top-three player, and 10-year stretches in the top-five to top-ten, and 15-year stretches as top-15, these are the type of seasons they have as they're entering and throughout the sustained uh, primes of their career. And Ashley Barty's doing that. The numbers suggest it. The eye test suggests it. You look at her results, she hasn't dropped a set since her first match against Carlos Suarez Navarro, and you can understand why, because she was getting healthy. She hadn't played a match in the month between the French Open and the start of Wimbledon, and, you know, you look at her result against Kerber, she's down a break in the second set, but physically, you know, it just felt like there was nothing Kerber could do to hurt her over the long haul of that match, and it just felt like Barty was always going to make a run, and when she did, I don't think it surprised any of us. And so, again, for Ashley Barty, she's a minus, I believe, 245 favorite, I want to say, tomorrow against Carolina Pliskova, now down to minus 240, Pliskova plus 195. Look, I just think, and they've played seven times, Ashley Barty, five and two in their career, but four of the seven have gone three sets. Four of Barty's five wins were in three sets. One of Pliskova's win was a six and six win. And let's be clear, Pliskova's playing outstanding tennis right now. She dropped serve once against Arena Sabalenka. She's dropped one set in six victories here. And she's playing with a freedom and a you know, I don't want to say a carelessness, but yeah, freedom's really the word. She's swinging for the fences. She's going down on her terms, and certainly she will still not feel that. I mean, she'll feel the pressure of it because she's trying to win her first Grand Slam title, the only thing missing from her resume. 
But she's the underdog in this match, and there's a freedom that comes with that. And so certainly she's got the power to give Barty some difficulties. I will not be surprised at all if this match goes three sets and her serve into the Barty backhand. She'll have opportunities to play plus one, dictate from the center of the court. That's what Carolina Pliskova needs to do. But the Barty serve and the Barty forehand are still the two biggest weapons on the court. And that's why I'm leaning Ashley Barty to win tomorrow. I'll say it's Barty in three sets, but I think it's like a 6-3, a 5-7, victory for Ashley Barty. She earns Grand Slam number two. She solidifies herself as the player to beat in women's tennis. And finally, we can stop having the discussion. Well, there's no singular dominant force. It's Ashley Barty. The numbers suggest as much. She just hasn't had a year of slams because we didn't have the 2020 season, or we didn't have her, I should say, during the 2020 season. But more than anything, these are two players starting to play their best tennis. They both played their best matches in the semifinals of this event. And that is, you know, that's good news for us tennis fans. So again, Barty, Pliskova, give me Barty in three, but ultimately give me a rockin' start to our championship weekend. And of course, again, you want to hear my picks for Saturday? Hop on over to the Great Shot Podcast, Ace of the Day feed. You want to hear more about everything that's happening on Wimbledon? Head on over to our website, CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fligger and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here, both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 